Good morning, everyone. How are we today? Most of you are doing okay. Well, that's a good start. Uh, like Pastor Bernie mentioned, my name is Ricky. Uh, I am the student pastor here. I'm glad that y'all are with us. I told first service, uh, you're either here probably because you really love God or your boat broke down. And so thank y'all for hanging out with us today. Um, we're already a week into September. It really does not feel like that yet. Uh, it's the longest year of my life. It feels like the longest 10 years of my life just this year. Like it, it, it's been a season, um, but one of my prayers for me and my family as a leader of my household is that I wouldn't be in the same mindset that I was in the spring, that I wouldn't be in the same mindset as I was in July. And I hope that is your prayer for you and your family too. Um, we got school starting back. Uh, we got sports starting back. We got football being played, high school football. Our football team actually had a great win on Friday night. If y'all haven't heard, it was a comeback win against Jonesboro, the backup quarterback. So that was cool. I got NFL beginning this week. I just love football. The season is changing. The weather is about uh, to cool down a little bit. Can I get an amen? Get to enjoy fall for about three weeks, and then it'll probably be winter. But um, it's going to be awesome. Today, I want to talk about being refined. And one thing that I've learned in this season in 2020, really, is that if you want to be refined, it's a personal choice. And James and Ethan have talked about this before, but refining is the process of removing impurities and taking away what's less than pure. Webster Dictionary defines it as to free from moral imperfection or to improve or perfect by pruning or polishing. In the word, in Malachi chapter three, it says he will sit, it's referring to God, that he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, that he will purify the Levites. And so the Levites were the priests in the Old Testament in the New Testament, if you're a Christ follower, it calls us the royal priesthood. And so it's saying that God will purify his church and refine them like gold and silver. So no one in this room, you didn't begin as gold or silver besides my wife. You have been golden since high school. You are beautiful. Ha ha. Uh, love to embarrass her when I can. But she really is. She's awesome. But when it comes to being refined, either a silver or gold is a process. And it takes part in three different parts in us. Our high school interns are learning that we're created in three parts by God. That's our body, our soul, and our spirit. It's important that you know that, that you're created as a body, a soul, and a spirit, and that there's a discipline I want to talk about today that helps us to be refined in our body, our soul, and our, our spirit all in the same day. And the reason we want this to happen is because we want to be like Jesus, but also when we do what I'm going to talk about today, it helps us to love God, and it helps us to love other people. I want to pray before we go any further. Lord, we thank you that your word is good, that your word is true, and I pray that your word would speak to your people today. Holy Spirit, I can't do this without you. I need you. So I pray that you would speak to all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're taking notes, uh, if you didn't know, it's a quick way to get into heavens by taking notes in church. Uh, just kidding. Uh, but if you want to take notes, the title of today's message is Honor the Sabbath. Honor the Sabbath. And I think it's pretty ironic the Holy Spirit told me to talk about the Sabbath on Labor Day weekend, but it is what it is, and we're all here hanging out together. In Genesis chapter 2, it says this in verse 2, by the seventh day, God had finished the work. Everyone say finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work that, of creating that he had done. And so if you're like me growing up in church a little bit, I heard this word, but I didn't know what it meant. 
And it really hasn't been until earlier this year I began to study this and press into it because my life did not look the way that I wanted it to. And I learned a lot this year from this word. So Pastor James, he gave us a book as a staff about three years ago. It's called The Emotionally Healthy Leader. And I didn't read it till this year. I told him I was sorry. Uh, But there's a whole chapter in this book about the Sabbath. I want to talk out of that book today. And I also want to talk out of the Bible, the word, of course. Um, So let's talk about what is the Sabbath. If we need to honor it, what is it? It's a 24-hour period in which we stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. So if you're taking notes, those will be the main points. So don't worry when it goes off the screen. We're going to talk about all of those today. In Exodus, it says to, to say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come. So you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. So God is saying that you need six days of work, not seven, and that that will be an outward sign to the people around you of the inward belief that you have. And so when we do this, it shows the world around us that we weren't just big banged into creation, but that we were spoken to existence by creator God, and that that is who we believe in. And as I've grown in this this year, I'm telling you that God will bless six days of work more than he will bless seven. Just as the same principle, he will bless 90% of our income in his hands rather than 100% in our hands. I've grown in that this year. I've not always got that right. Example, Chick-fil-A. Everyone say amen to that. Chick-fil-A, um, <laughs> research has shown as of 2019, Chick-fil-A makes about $4.5 million, $4.5 million per year per restaurant. I want to make that much a year. That would be awesome. Um, that amount is almost twice than any other competitor makes per restaurant. In fact, Chick-fil-A makes more than McDonald's and Subway and Starbucks combined per restaurant. Yet they're closed on Sunday. They're only open six days a week. Is it possible that God honors the day that he called holy? I've heard it said, if you preach from your weakness, you'll never run out of content. And so I try to do that every time I speak. That's definitely today. I've not got this right. I'm still working in it. I'm in a six-month process of trying to learn what the Sabbath is. And so we're kind of all on the same page, or at least most of us are not getting this right. So I want to tell you what the Sabbath is not. The Sabbath is not just your day off. It's not just the weekend that you have with your family or with your friends. That can be part of it. But that's not what God has intended as the Sabbath. And so the reason I know this, earlier in quarantine season when the church was shut down, I was at home with my kids for weeks, um, all day, every day, for what felt like eternity. Now, look, I love my kids. I've gotten trouble on stage by people in our church that says I'm always talking negative about my kids. I love them. Relax. They're here today, right here. Um, But if you've been at home for more than two or three or four days at a time with your kids, you know that's not a Sabbath. That's being a parent. And so I have actually pictures of my kids right here on the screen. The first one is my beautiful daughter, Ellie, or Ellison is her name. Ellie, how are you, baby? I love you. Um, so Ellison, last night, woke up with nightmares, and I heard her in her room. She's in there throwing a fit. And I walked into her room, and she said, Daddy, um, I'm having nightmares. And I said, well, what do you need to do? She said, I need to talk to Jesus. I said, that's right. Can you help me? I said, you need to do it yourself. So my four-year-old knows how to talk to Jesus, and then she started singing, Jesus loves the little children of the world. I want you to know that spiritual warfare can start when you're three, four, five years old. 
train your kids in the way they should go. And then Kaiman, he is too, he has a hard time saying his, his C's and his K's, and so he calls himself Tyman. Uh, but that's my little man right there. They're both going to change the world, so y'all better watch out. I love them so much. But just having a day off, just having a weekend off, that is not necessarily a Sabbath. The Sabbath has four things. We're going to break them down together. The first one is that you get to stop work on the Sabbath. Turn to your spouse or your neighbor and say, I told you, I should stay at home all the time. Uh, no, I'm not actually, um, <laughs> I'm not condoning that because God said that he created man to work the land, to work the garden. Um, Exodus 20, in verse 8 through 10. I did not say that joke well, and it was flat. Um, <laughs> Exodus 20, verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Before COVID, and probably even now, if you were to ask a random person, hey, how are you doing? There's three default answers. Is I'm good, I'm busy, and I'm tired. You're gonna get one of those threes almost, almost every single time. The book that I read that I mentioned earlier, The Emotionally Healthy Leader, it, it, it has this very strong quote about our culture. And this applies to me, maybe it applies to you. It says, they can't stop. They're terrified. They're frightened to death of what they'll see inside themselves. The terror of stopping reveals the depths of their emptiness. The reason that stopping can be terrifying is because we have no idea who we are outside of what we do. If our work stops, then who am I? I had to wrestle with that in March and in April and May. I was working from home as a pastor, but that, that's not really what I wanted to do. If, our work, if your work stops, who are you? One of the first questions that we ask when we meet people in America is, what do you do for a living? What kind of job do you do? What kind of work do you do? The Sabbath, when we take it right, when we take it off, it reminds us that life is not about work, that life is about God. And when you stop for a day of work, you're reminding yourself that you are not defined by the things that you do, but instead about what God says about you. And so for 24 hours, God says, don't do anything that pertains to your work. So how do you do this practically in your family? There's already a little bit of tension in the room. I can feel it. Um, you get with your spouse, get with who you live with, get with your best friend, and you get each to make a list. You get to decide of what you don't have to do on the Sabbath. This is important that you hear this. This is paid and unpaid work. Not just your career, but unpaid work. And so maybe that's household chores. God has given you permission for one day a week to say, hey, babe, football's on. Or whatever it might be for you and your family. That's tough, though. I get it. This is why I'm in six months, and I'm still working towards that. And mowing the grass for some people might be on that list. My wife and I, we kind of argue sometimes over who's going to mow the grass because we have about a quarter of an acre, and so it takes like 27 seconds to mow the grass. That's not work for us. That's exercise. We enjoy that. Maybe for you, you got a few acres, and that's work. One thing that you need to do is let people in your life know you're trying something new. Hey, I'm trying to take a Sabbath, and that gives you a time to share your faith with them, but also, hey, if I ignore you, it's not because I don't like you, even though that's true. Um, I'm not ignoring you today just because I want to. I'm trying something new. That means you get to ignore texts from your boss, emails from clients, vendors, customers. God has given you permission. And he says that this will be a sign for the generations that are around you and generations to come 
And all of that I know might sound a little uncomfortable for those who aren't doing a Sabbath yet. Purifying and refining doesn't always feel good, but it always is good for you. Mark chapter 2, it says this. This is Jesus speaking. When Jesus speaks, we should press in. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God is giving you permission to stop work for your good, for your good. Number two, enjoy rest. This is going to sound a little strong, but either you can come to the Sabbath or the Sabbath will come to you. Learned that in this season when I was exhausted. You can let the Sabbath refine you weekly or it's going to refine you all at one time and it's not going to be what you want. There is more to life than just increasing our speed. It's like in our culture, the faster you go, the more status you have, the more important you are. And what could it be the case that God wants us to slow down? In Jeremiah chapter two, this is a message translation. And this verse hits pretty deep. It says, slow down, take a deep breath. What's the hurry? Some of y'all are already ahead of me in scripture trying to read past, slow down. Why wear yourself out? Just what are you after anyway? And it says that, I can't help it. I'm addicted to alien gods, I can't quit. Hurry is not just a sign of a disordered schedule. Hurry is a sign of a disordered heart. The Sabbath is a day meant to engage in activities that restore and replenish your body, your soul, and your spirit. Meant to restore and replenish your body, your soul, and your spirit. So practically, how do you enjoy rest? Sleep in. If you have kids, you're thinking, ha ha, very funny. 6.30 comes around, you can't sleep in. Take a nap. Maybe um, you like to read a book. I found out this year they still make those in print. I had no idea. Started reading books this year. You get to eat food. That's enjoying rest to me. You get to go on a date with your spouse. If you're single, raise your hand. Look around, not anymore. Hey, make a date. So you can go on a date, make a date. You're welcome, that was free. Um, you get to exercise, enjoy rest. If exercise isn't rest for you, take another nap. You get to decide how you enjoy rest on the Sabbath. But God has commanded and given you permission to rest. It's like the Holy Spirit's even saying now, some of you haven't rested in a really, really long time. He wants you to rest. We're about halfway through right here, and some of y'all are thinking, how do I do this with kids? How do I do this with my schedule? How do I do this with two jobs or with school and with homework? And I'm not wise enough to tell you how to do it. I do know what needs to be in your Sabbath, but you need to get with who you live with, and you need to get with God and decide how to make this practical for your life. Can we agree on that? Number three um, is to practice delight. And all the men said, Amen. Practice delight, married men. Um, Y'all are not laughing at anything. Maybe I need to get better. Um, have you ever thought about what you delight in? I know that we don't use the word delight in our culture a lot, but I think it's the perfect word that sums up what God wants for us on the Sabbath. For me, I delight in family time, but my wife will tell you I haven't always been that way. I delight in spending time in God's word. I delight in eating really unhealthy food. Maybe I need to change that. I delight in games, I delight in sports, playing them, watching them, watching the hogs, not be good at any of them. Um, I'm starting to delight in reading for some reason. I guess there is a God. Um, I really, really delight in a fresh cup of coffee. 
and I want to draw a difference in coffee and coffee. My little man said amen. If that don't melt your heart, then I don't know what will. I'm done. Um, coffee. I get made fun of how I made coffee, how I make coffee. I weigh out my beans. I weigh out my water. I get exact temperature in my kettle, and I measure my pours by the gram into my coffee. Does anyone else do that? Do I have any friends? Lonely world, kind of. Wow, one and a half of us. All right. Well, to me, to me, why this is important is because when I can taste flavors of a bean from different countries around the world, and I get an Ethiopian bean and can taste blueberry, or a Colombian bean and taste chocolate and caramel in a little coffee bean and apply with the right amount of water and heat, I can taste the goodness and how big God is in a created from nothing bean. I delight in that. Make fun of me all you want. Find something that you delight in and enjoy it on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, you need to seek to feast on the miracle of life with your senses. I feel like some of you are saying blueberry coffee is different than Folgers. Trust me, it's better. Seek to feast on the miracle of life with your senses. Maybe you delight in creating or looking at art. Maybe you delight in hunting. I know a lot of people enjoy going out to the woods, not getting anything. No cell service and just sitting in God's creation and listening to everything. Maybe you delight in building things. That's not for your work. Maybe you delight in making friends or hanging out with the friends that you already have. Maybe you like trying new restaurants, listening to music, growing a legal garden, all of these types of things that you delight in. That one hit. Write down. Come on. Write down a list of things that you delight in, places, people, activities, hobbies. On our Sabbath, God is telling you, stop your work. Enjoy your rest. Practice delight. He's giving you permission. And I hope that we would all want those things already. We really, on a Sabbath, should be saying, God, thank you for this day instead of running from it. Number four, what happens on a Sabbath is that we get to contemplate God. This isn't a day to take time off from God, but instead to draw closer to him. And this day is for everybody that can hear my voice. And this part right here, drawing close to God, I haven't always got this right in my life, especially on the Sabbath. Admittedly, as a pastor, it's hard to separate my doing for God and my being for God because I can't do without being. But on a Sabbath, God says, just be with me, man, son, <laughs> Just relax and be with me. I don't even know where it came from, but there was a point last year, a couple years before, I thought the Sabbath was my day. And so I would try to do it my way, doing the things exactly how I wanted, but I would go to work on Tuesday tired, exhausted, stressed out, still mentally drained, and a lot of you know what that's like. It's because I was trying to bless my day and I was trying to make it holy. And I felt like earlier this year, the Holy Spirit said, I blessed that day. I made it holy. If you do it my way, you'll never want to go back to your way ever again. My kids, they love to have the windows down in the car, driving as fast as I'm legally allowed with the music blaring. As a student pastor, you wouldn't believe this, but I have sensitive ears. My wife does not enjoy this. She's giving me the look right now. Um, but they love to have a party in the car. I don't really like it. It kind of hurts my ears, but I do because it makes them happy. And so there's times we'll be driving down the interstate 70 plus miles an hour, and they're like, turn it louder, drive faster, and I can hear them because they're behind me talking towards me. 
But y'all know, if you're the parent, sometimes you got to turn your head for your kids. But in this car with this party going on on the interstate, there's a lot of commotions, a lot of wind. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of hurry. As their dad, I have to slow down the car for them to hear my voice. Some of you got to shift gears. You got to slow down so you can hear God's voice. Once we stop and rest and delight, I promise you that you'll begin to see that God wants to speak to you and to show you more than you've ever thought possible. When you do these things, he wants to speak to you and he wants to show you more than you ever thought possible on your Sabbath. When you begin to honor that day as holy, your only response will be to contemplate how good God is. Practically, how do you do this in your your week, on your Sabbath, in a 24-hour period? I believe that God wants us to worship him in that period. That doesn't mean it has to be all day, but it might. It doesn't even have to be music. It needs to be an outward expression of God, I love you and I need you for this next week. Without you, I can't make it. That's worship. He wants us to read his word. Y'all hear in just a little bit that we're gonna begin a new Bible study as a church, every person, every family, almost every life group called the life of Christ beginning next Sunday. There's gonna be very practical ways on how to study God's word. And then also practically on our Sabbath, how do we contemplate God? We contemplate him in prayer. We talk about prayer a lot in our church just because we believe in order to establish a relationship with somebody, you gotta talk to them. But more importantly, that you have to listen. The thing is with prayer is unlike Amazon, you can't track the package. You gotta have faith the package is on its way. I challenge you on your Sabbath, the first time you take a Sabbath, or maybe even today, just to sit five minutes no one else in the room, eyes closed, music off, everything silenced, and just sit with your eyes closed and listen. God wants to say something to you. The Sabbath is a mechanism to deliver God's grace and his goodness and his love to you in your life. So if you feel like you're lacking one of those, it might be that you're not getting it on the Sabbath like he's intended. And I wanna tell you, so we have the perspective of what God wants from us. I wanna tell you what the enemy wants from you in this. The goal of the enemy is to get you to believe that you don't need this or that you can't do it in the season that you're in with your family dynamics or with your work or with your job. That's his goal. I'm not saying that even that this day is easy to make happen. Again, I'm in six months in and still missing the mark but we gotta start somewhere. But he wants to convince you that you don't need to stop, you don't need to rest, you don't need to delight, you don't need to contemplate. You know, the very first thing that Satan did in recorded history with God's word is that he cast doubt on it in the Garden of Eden. He said, did God really say that? I'm telling you, God really said this. The only way that Satan can get you into bondage or to keep you into bondage in your life is to keep you believing a lie. And if you believe a lie that you don't need a Sabbath or this isn't the season, unfortunately, as a culture, we know what that looks like, what happens when we don't. We're worn out, tired, stressed, depressed, overwhelmed, anxious, irritable, angry. We also experience burnout. A lot of us have experienced this. The thing is with burnout that's tricky is it never shows itself in the smaller areas of your life first. It hops into your marriage hops into your relationships, into your mental health, into your body. Burnout will come for your soul. 
as I began to study what the Sabbath meant this year. It's like as a culture that we try to obey nine of the Ten Commandments. We know we shouldn't kill anybody. We know we shouldn't cheat on our spouse. We know we shouldn't desire and covet what our neighbor has. But it's like the Sabbath, ah, that's Old Testament. That's for old people. <laughs> like that's for the old times. For our spiritual growth, this is so important. The Sabbath is just as important as worship, prayer, and reading God's word. I never knew that. I'm telling you from my own life experience, the Sabbath is just as important as those three things. I think it's a commandment because God knew that we would overlook it, yet he knew that we would need it. It's the only spiritual discipline that's a command. He doesn't command you to read, doesn't command you to pray, doesn't command you to worship, but he commands to take a Sabbath because he knew in America one day that we would miss the mark on this. I'm convinced that one of the reasons our country looks the way that it does is because the church itself and our country does not honor the Sabbath. And I'll show you where in scripture where I get that strong belief from. We know the Israelites were kicked out of the promised land, that they were exiled, not by choice, but out of disobedience by God for 70 years. It was tradition at that time for the farmers of the land to work the land for six years, and God told them, in his law, do not work on the seventh year. The reason he told them that is he wanted them to trust him on that seventh year. So they were not allowed to work for an entire year if they're farmers. So they needed to trust in God's provision and trust in God's word. And they didn't get it right. They didn't honor the Sabbath for 490 years. Let's read this in Second Chronicles chapter 36. It says, the land enjoyed its Sabbath rest. So this is when the Israelites were exiled. It enjoyed its rest all the time of the desolation. It rested until 70 years were completed in fulfillment of the word. So important, fulfillment of the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. So most people know the Israelites, that they worship other gods. They had other idols. They even sacrificed their kids to those gods. That they committed adultery. They coveted what other nations have. But we have to know they also did not honor the Sabbath. And for 490 years, y'all, they thought they were getting away with it. For 490 years. So the Israelites were sent out of the promised land for 70 years, but why 70 years? Let me show you a math problem right here on the screen. I love numbers, love math. You take the 490 years of disobedience, you divide it by the seventh year Sabbath, it equals the 70 years of exile. God got back every single day, every single week, every single year that was not honored. And if God wants that for the land, how much more does he want that for his bride? Honoring the Sabbath is so important to him. God always honors his word. We need and we get to observe the Sabbath. Transition just for a second, my Two kids, they love sweets. They love desserts. And we don't always have dessert at our house because it makes them go crazy. But they are, <laughs> if we have dessert, they want it on their plate to start the meal. They even want it as an appetizer. Is there any parents in the room know what I'm talking about? Like they want the sweets first. As their parent, as the dad, I can tell on their plate they don't have the room. It's not that I don't want to hook them up. It's they don't have room for it yet. My perspective's a little different. 
And I tell them, once you clear a few things off your plate, I will hook you up with the best thing in the kitchen, and that's that chocolate cake. Refining is the process of removing things off of your plate so God could bless you on the day that he calls holy. You see, when there's refining, there's always a refiner. I wanna land right here. There are things in your body, in your soul, and in your spirit that God wants to give you specifically, and I would even say exclusively, on your Sabbath. He wants to give you things that maybe you've been missing for a really long time. That's what this day is for. Now, he's a good God, and he could give it to you any other day, but he also honors his word. And that day is blessed, and that day is holy. Let's close our eyes together. I want you to know that today is not a self-help talk, so your life could be better. This is a biblical command from our creator for our good, that we get to stop and we get to rest and delight and contemplate. Remember in Mark, it says that this day is for your good. It's for your good. What I love about the Sabbath is it doesn't require you to be a lifelong follower of Christ to honor it. You could actually start today or you could start this week. When I was in this room on Friday preparing this message, I felt like the Holy Spirit said something to me that I've never heard him say before. And maybe this is for you too. I felt like God said, I love you, son. But as you're about to speak this message, you've never told me sorry for not getting it right. You've never admitted that you needed my help on this day. He said, I've already forgiven you. He already forgives you. But when we don't honor God's word, it is sin. And I've never viewed the Sabbath as that before. We don't do it right. So maybe you're here and you know you haven't gotten this day right, just like me. And you would just say, Lord, I know I missed the mark and I know I need your help on this day. If that's you, I wanna pray for you real quick. Also pray for myself. Lord, we thank you for the Sabbath. It's a day that is holy and a day that is blessed. And God, I know for me that I'm repenting from not observing it that way. God, I'm not just turning around, but I'm changing my mind about it, that I need it. I can't live without it because it's in your word that I need it and can't live without it. So I pray for the people in this room, Lord, that have a conviction by your Holy Spirit. Lord, it says your kindness leads us to repentance not your anger, not your wrath, not your discipline, not your punishment, your kindness. We thank you for your kindness today. Holy Spirit, we need your power to get this right every week for the rest of our life. As I was studying this word Sabbath, it pops up in the Gospels. Jesus he died on the day before the Sabbath, which means on the Sabbath that he was fighting against hell and Satan and sin in the grave for you. And maybe you're here today and 
you know Jesus saves you from your sins, but maybe he's not your Lord, that you're not following his voice, you're not having him as the center of your life, or maybe you're here and you've never made that decision to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. I want you to know that in first service, today was the day of salvation for many people and it can be for you too. If you're here today, I want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. I would ask that no one would look around, but if that's you, would you raise your hand so I could pray for you? And as soon as I see your hand, you could put it down. All right, thank you. God's going to honor it. All right. Maybe you're here and raising your hand is not your thing, but you know in your heart that you need a Lord and Savior to save you from your sin have a relationship with, I want to pray with you today. If that's you, you could pray a prayer just like this right there in your seat. Say, Lord, I need you. I know that I've messed up. I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that your grace covers my sin. I know that you died for me, but that you didn't stay dead, but you rose for me. And I accept that truth with my mouth and in my heart. Help me to live for you every day. Holy Spirit, be my best friend. Help me to find a group of believers to live life with. Help me to fall into your will and your way. Lord, I pray that for me as well, that everything that I do, everything we do as a church would be because you said so. Lord, as I look through your word, I just wonder if what if you actually meant what you said? Lord, we know that to be true. You do mean what you say. Every person in this room, he calls you blessed. He says he loves you. He says you are his son or you are his daughter. Jesus, we thank you for that. We thank you for the power of your spirit on the inside of us that allows us to worship, that allows us to live our life for you. We give you glory for that in Jesus' name. Amen.